1: your health, your need to rest, your need to not do a million things you don't want to do.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dream job. Start living a better life today. Also, thanks to EverlyWell. EverlyWell is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. EverlyWell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash dream job. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really happy to share today's episode with you because Terry Cole is here and we are going to have an epic conversation about boundaries and codependency, which sometimes you think, oh, that's not me or that doesn't relate to my business or how I want to create abundance in my life and in the world. And it's like, oh my gosh, it is such a big part of it. So I look forward to really diving into this conversation. I also just wanted to say that on August 16th at 1230 Pacific Standard Time, 330 Eastern Standard Time, I'm doing a live Zoom call with my good friend, Julie Solomon. It'll just be like a fireside chat. We'll talk about some of the core lessons from her book, Get What You Want, Go From Unseen to Unstoppable, and we're going to do some Q&A. So if you want to join us, you can get a copy of her book, and then register for your spot at kathyheller.com slash Julie. And the second thing I just want to say is that the retreat I am hosting starts today in Malibu. So I'll definitely be giving you guys some updates on what it's like. I can tell you that I went there last night just to take a look and it, it's just so beautiful. You just feel this incredible exhale just being in this wooded area with the twinkly lights and the chandeliers and the oak trees and there's waterfalls. So the space already is beautiful. And, you know, I really feel like all these women who came here to this event are just looking to be free. They're looking to set down just that same thing I think we all feel, which is that gap between peace of mind and fully feeling expansive and ease and being in that flow and where we can get caught in overthinking or trying to figure it out so much that we make ourselves feel pretty crazy. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of transformation. And if you want to be at our next event, the next event is going to be smaller. This one is about 90 women. The next one's going to be just 14 women in Santa Monica, September 6th through the 8th. We'd love to have you. That's going to be more of a intimate, we're calling it our Lux experience. You can get the details at kathyheller.com slash Lux. And um, I can't wait for all of these. It's just really such a treat to circle up with such amazing women and just really allow ourselves to turn on the fountain, the hose of all of our dreams and desires and abundance. And it's amazing how we make it so complex, but when we really allow it to come in and we utilize the magic, which is the way we can set intention, the way we can release resistance, things just happen and they come right in. So that's that's what all these retreats are about. And I can't wait. If you want to find out more about our next one, go to kathyheller.com slash lux. All right. Well, today my friend Terry Cole is back on the podcast. She's a psychotherapist, empowerment and relationship expert, a transformation coach, a podcast host, an author. And I'm not kidding when I say that she's the boss of boundaries, the whole topic. In fact, that's the name of her book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. We talked about it the first time she came on the podcast, but if you haven't read the book yet, go get yourself a copy. It'll help you learn how to break free from over-functioning, over-delivering, people-pleasing, and ignoring your own needs so you can finally live the life that you came here to live. Also, listen to her podcast, The Terry Cole Show. It covers a lot of topics that you'd probably enjoy, like practical psychology, achieving personal freedom, self-improvement, meditation, mindfulness practices, harnessing the power of intention and real life strategies for personal transformation. She's had incredible women on her show like Gabby Bernstein, Tanya Dalton, Danielle Laporte. I was also a guest last year, so you can go check out that episode too. Today, we're going to talk about things like how to respect your own desires and boundaries and how to stop codependent habits and stop letting our customers limiting beliefs around money affect our business and how to let go of other people's judgment and so much more. As a recovering people pleaser, I am so grateful to have Terry in my life. It's very refreshing to be in the presence of a woman who stands in her power and has boundaries and doesn't apologize for them. You're going to be so inspired. So let's get to it. Without further ado, please welcome the incredible Terry Cole. Hi, Terry. Nice to see you. Hello. I'm really looking forward to diving in. So For anyone who hasn't heard, um, she, Terry was on the show on the podcast before, and there's a beautiful episode, which will give you some background, but, uh, whether you heard that or not, you're going to feel right at home (laughs) because her work is something that I, I think every human being I've ever met needs to look at in their life. So let's start with why you wrote a book about boundaries. You talk about it. Why is this so significant in your life?
1: I think mainly because I was a boundary disaster for a long time and that created a lot of pain and I didn't even know that my lack of having any clue about what even boundaries were in my twenties I didn't know that that was causing my pain, my exhaustion, I was resentful, I was overgiving and over-functioning and feeling like nobody was appreciative enough no matter, you know, because of all that I was doing. So through that process, I, you know, I was already in my own therapy, did that for many years and started seeing, Oh my God, this is codependent behavior. Because for me, like many of my clients, right? I didn't identify with being codependent because I was always a baller. I was like running okay. a talent agency, like negotiating contracts or supermodels. I was like, that must be someone else. You cannot be talking about me. I'm making all the dough. I'm doing all the stuff. That does not mean. I was not codependent. What ended up happening, then I became a psychotherapist. I decided to get out of entertainment and become a psychotherapist. And then I started seeing this just, it was an epidemic of people coming into my room. And no matter what their presenting problem, I could just follow the dots backwards to this lack of this essential skill set, whether they were saying yes, when they wanted to say no, whether they were not talking about the way they really felt, whether they were believing limiting beliefs about themselves, planted in childhood, all the things, but it was all came back to fueling this codependency. So then I became obsessed. Once I got it, I was like, everyone must learn this. And 25 years later, as a psychotherapist, finally wrote a friggin' book about it.
0: So oh, good. And uh when we first spoke, I was like brought to tears because I had never heard those words and I had never heard them the way you say them. So with so much love and and so much intentionality, and you, you taught me what it means to be an over-functioner.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: what I think is really important that you just laid out is that this is not, you know how like with COVID, it was like, it's men and women, it's old and, you know, not super, super young, but meaning like, it didn't matter how much money you had. It didn't matter where you lived. It's like, if you lived in this part of the world, you could still get it. You just sort of outlined similarly that whether you were looking seemingly extremely successful on the inside, you could still be like suffering a tremendous amount. And that's really dangerous, right? Right. Just as equally as hard, if you're not successful and that is really controlling your life, I want to talk about how it relates to stuff that comes up in in this audience a lot. We gave students an assignment to put something in the world and charge for it. It could be five dollars, mm-hmm. it could be two hundred dollars, it could be five thousand. It really doesn't matter. It could be a dollar just to like start the process of exchanging. And the biggest feeling of being afraid to do that was a feeling of. What if I don't live up to what this person would want? And, and on some level, then I would feel ashamed to take from this other person, which seems very humble, right? But actually is the ego in disguise because it's very much like us being in our heads, not in our here I am just to be available. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we lack a practice where we think that we are responsible for every single thing that somebody else feels and has and all of that we're in everybody else's business so how can you help people to reframe that so maybe they can move forward without thinking there's something evil going on if you were to charge for something without necessarily taking on the weight of this other human
1: being can we imagine that oh my god It's amazing. You can not only imagine it, you can actually do it. So let's first establish my definition of what codependency is. And we'll talk about high functioning codependency quickly. And then I'll answer that question. Is that okay? Okay. Please. So according to me, uh, codependency is when you are overly invested in the outcomes, the decisions, the feeling states of the circumstances of the people in your life to the detriment of your own internal peace or your financial, physical, spiritual well-being. So we're clear. Doesn't mean we can't be invested because we're all lovers. We all love our people. We all want them to be happy. But if we're so invested in what they're doing that it feels like their problem becomes your problem, right? Right. Think about it. And if you're wondering, like, I don't know, my codependent, um, if your best friend calls you and is in a crisis, how quickly does her crisis become your crisis? How quickly are you like, how? I want you to check your urgency. If you're like, oh my God, five alarm fire, even though it's your friend's life and it's your friend's decision and it's your friend's problem to fix, that is codependency because that problem in your mind, literally, you just took ownership of that problem rather than actually being supportive. Real support is not centering ourselves in our friend's problem. That is driven by fear. Real support is asking, having faith, A, that your friend knows what she should do with her freaking life more than you do, (laughs) and that she'll get there, even if she doesn't know right now. You didn't know five years ago, 10 years ago. You might not know right now, but you'll get there. And it's for you to get there. So you could ask questions. Hey, what do you think? What does your gut tell you about this situation? How do you feel about it? If you did know the answer, what would it be? How can I best support you right now? All of those things are more actually supportive than being like, I know someone I'm going to hook you up with. I just Googled this. Here's the thing. I underlined this in my book, Women Who Love Too Much. Um, You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Like we're doing all the things and trust me, I'm tongue in cheeking it a bit. Understand that was me. So there is nobody in the world who was more codependent than I was. The reason why, you know, we may not have identified with being codependent is because, you know, we all heard melody, Beatty, codependent, no more. Got to be involved in addict. Got to be enabling that it just me. codependency expresses itself in lots of other different ways. And Melody's work has expanded since then, but there's been this sort of collective belief that that's what it's about. And it's not, it's about what I'm saying. So I came up with a new phrase so that my clients would recognize themselves in the codependent patterns. I call it high functioning codependency. Because you make it look easy. And people come to you and are like, you know, all the answers, you have everything I need. Tell me all the things I could come to you. I can count on you, but we are doing it all. And we're doing it at the expense of ourselves, of our greatest good. It creates our own glass ceiling when it comes to our careers, our lives, because think about what codependency is high-functioning codependency, right? You are doing all the things. A lot of times we are doing more than we want to. We don't know how to say no. So we're saying yes when we really want to say no, which leaves us feeling what? Exhausted, but also angry. Because eventually you get to the exhaustion because of the bandwidth being sucked away. But then mm, then we're all like, Betty is so entitled. Is Betty entitled? Or do you just have no capacity to say no, right? Like takers going to take. So givers got to put the cap on that because if not, you're, you will just give until you're empty, empty, empty. So I I feel like, was that all I wanted to say about that? Oh my God.
0: I I felt like that emoji with the mind blowing face because (laughs) I recently had an issue. I don't know what you want to call it. Circumstance with, with a friend. And she posted something and I felt like throwing my phone across the room. And I was so upset. And then I went upstairs and then I was like, why am I so upset? And then I like needed to cry. And I was like, God, it's her life. Like it's her life. What do you care? And like why are you this upset? And then I like had to, and I was like, I need to get on zoom with you. Cause we live far apart. I'm like, I need it. And she was like, kind of doing her own thing. And I was like, why is she not allowing me to step in here? And it was just like, what are you doing? Like, this is unbelievable. And it's so juicy. And it's totally my relationship with my mom. And it's great. It's so great. And it causes me many realizations over and over
1: again. Yep. And how pissed we get that our unasked for advice or criticism what? is not taken We're like if Betty had just done what I said to do in the beginning, she wouldn't be divorced right now. Like I don't have a lot of sympathy for Betty because she just can listen to me and all would have been fine. Like why? And, and why, why it matters that we do that uh. is because every bit of that bandwidth that we're like forcing down the throats of some people and some people are willingly taking it. Right. We are not putting towards Figuring out how to appropriately charge for our skills. We are not putting towards <laughs> resting, <laughs> relaxing, meditating, working out, doing the shit we need to do for ourselves, making sure our relationships are good. Instead, Ugh. we're like, oh my God, I have to do this. And it's a compulsion. Oh, yeah. Until it's not, right? Until you understand. I, I want to explain something, though, Kath, that I think is so important with this. So I don't want to take us off course, but. When I was being high functioning, codependent for all the world, I really thought like, I'm just a lover, you know, I just want to (laughs) help. I just like, I'm like mother Teresa, kind of like that. Then I have a whole epiphany in therapy with my therapist, where I was like talking about the situation my sister was in with an abusive person, la. And I was like, what am I going to do? And she was like, excuse me. What do you mean? I was like, I've already sent money. I've done all these things and I do, I have to save her, you know? And she was like, yeah, okay. All right. So let's, let's talk about this. You, I want to ask you a question. And she just straight up said, um, why do you think you know what she needs to learn in this lifetime? Oof. And I was so like, good. I have no idea. And then she's like, do you know what's really going on? And I was like, obviously not. Could you clue me in? And she said, I was like, no. And she said, Terry, you've worked really hard to create internal peace, to create a successful life. You've had multiple successful careers, blah, blah, blah. And your sister's dumpster fire of a life is messing with your peace and creating pain for you. What you really want is your pain to end. And I was like, oh, that blows that whole Mother Teresa thing. Um, But it also made me understand, oh, my God, that is what is happening. And then she went on to say, listen, you don't know what your sister needs to learn. And you letting her sort of, you know, like friends who call and always talk about the same crap and never change anything. And then you get off the phone with them and they're like, I always feel so much lighter after I talk to you. And then you're like, I always feel like a toxic waste site after I talk to you (laughs) because someone just like barfed toxicity all over you. (laughs) You I feel so heavy when I'm done talking to you. This, that whole process of me allowing my sister to talk to me a lot about this abusive person and what was happening and all of the the same crap. We're like, why are you surprised? This person was a dick from the day you met him and was abusive from literally the get-go. And she'd be like, you're not going to believe. I'm like, how do, how, of course I'm going (laughs) to believe. (laughs) How, How do you not know it's coming? Like, hello. But anyway, I was able to, with the help of this therapist, step back and then draw an appropriate boundary with my sister saying, Hey, I love you. And I cannot continue to talk about this person's terrible behavior. Know that if you ever want to get sober, get the hell out of that house in the woods that literally doesn't have electricity and I'm not exaggerating. Okay. Um, if you ever want that, I'm still your person. So we talked maybe only two times throughout the next nine months And she understood. She really didn't guilt me. She was like, I get it. And then she called me and was like, hello, does that offer still stand? I'm ready. I was like, I'm getting in my car. And I went, moved her out of that shack, helped her get it together. She went back to school, got sober. Here's the thing. She didn't do that because of me. And not because I was centering myself in the middle of her problem as her solution. She was doing it because of her, she right. saved herself. And that's the only kind of saving that lasts. And yes, oh. am I a good sister? Am I loving yet? Yeah. Did I do plenty to help her when she was ready for help? I did. But all with her being the guide, not me controlling the crap out of all of it. So does that make sense? Is that oh, an illustrative? Okay. It just
0: goes in like medicine. It's like, Oh yes, 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 yes. I need to hear more of this. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I relate. Da, 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 da. It really is fascinating because we we do get caught thinking that we're helping so much when we're not. And I realized as I've been this person my whole life, right? On some level I I spoke to Byron Katie about this and I was like mm. I was my parents' therapist and she was like, "Cool. That was a strat. They didn't force you to do that, but" Your little self was like, oh, this is a cool survival strategy here. And look, it allowed you to do everything you're doing now. So great. But on the way to to, to this moment, there were so many times where I did believe um, a lie, which is what you just illustrated, which is if I didn't stay right there in the center of the issue and keep holding the line of the rope, that I would be responsible on some level for whatever the, the, the big, you know, catastrophe and, and really what you're doing, what I've realized when you're holding that rope, you're co-signing that this person has to have you right. And you're not co-signing that this person has a highest and best that this person has access to God, to abundance, to the life that they are meant to live equal to you. And why would you co-sign that? That is total scarcity. Instead, you're going to stand there and say, I'm only going to stand in possibility for what actually is the highest truth. So therefore, by me removing myself from that, you could actually find, right, your alignment. Because it ain't meant to be that God put you in this world and went, you see that human? If that (laughs) human's not there for you, you don't make it to the end of the game. No, 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 no. How about go ahead and go downtown and figure it out. Go ahead and get rejected again and figure it out, right? So this is just so powerful. So I want you to continue wherever you wanted to go, but I am curious because I love the entrepreneurial space because we bump into our stuff actively daily, right? It's like, I say the best therapy is like start a business because you're going to bump into all your stuff. And most of it, like I said, is the codependency part. So I think it leads us back to the same place. But if we can look at that question of like, how can we show up and have, whether we make candles or kombucha or we offer coaching or you're a therapist
1: and not own the other person's results. That is boundaries. So we're talking about having emotional boundaries, which means you're super clear. What is your side of the street emotionally? And what is the other person's side of the street? So your side of the street is what you do, what you say, what you think, right? How you feel. That's your side of the street. When we set a boundary with someone or sell them a candle, it is not our side of the street to fret, right? Right. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you're doing a good job, you've already up front been like, I'm using this amazing kind of soy candle. I've already done my research. I've, I've done this stuff. I know this is amazing. I know this is healthy and non-toxic or whatever. So again, it does require us to be super solid in what we're doing. Don't sell a subpar thing <laughs> because then that will really make you feel insecure And even if you do it perfectly, sometimes someone's going to be like, I don't like the way this candle smell. I want my money back. Okay. You'll figure out what your policy is. And all of these boundaries, which I call in business, these are clean agreements. So instead of waiting for everybody to mess up, to be like, that's not the way I want it done. We're from the beginning, from the people who we onboard, who work for us, clients, there is written agreements like, Hey, this is how we communicate. Like on my team, right? I run a business on my team. When somebody starts, they're like, these are our best practices. This is when we have meetings. This is how you communicate with Terry. She's not active till after 11 AM and she's done at seven. That's it. Anything else can wait unless it's an emergency. And you're going to be voice noting her on Voxer because that's what she wants. And it's her business. And if you don't like that, go work somewhere else (laughs) or have your own business and decide your best practices. But the more clarity you have in your marketing, in what you're selling, the more transparent you are with what you're doing, the easier it is to ensure a good outcome and you will never have a perfect outcome. Mm -hmm. So how do you not take it on? If you've done your best, it's like, it's like being a therapist, right? I, when I was a young therapist. I would worry, oh my God, I'm going to pick the wrong intervention and kill someone. Like oh, something God. just got awful is going to happen. I know it, which is why I waited a long time before leaving entertainment and becoming a therapist. I was like, oh my God, how would I live with that? Uh, And I, and my supervisor was, who was so brilliant was like, PS, you're not that powerful. And I was like, oh, well, that's a relief. She's like, trust me, one wrong intervention is not going to make someone jump off a bridge. Like it's definitely not. If someone jumps off a bridge, they were going to anyway, but there was something about the whole pricing of goods and services that I know you were just saying you gave them, we got, we had homework and people struggled with it. This is something that I see all the time with the women in my courses and in just what I'm doing, the leadership stuff that I do. Yeah it's feeling it's coming up against our limiting beliefs about abundance and about if you charge what you're worth, you're greedy. It's not feminine. You should give it away. Aren't you supposed to be loving? And especially when you're in the healing arts, there's all of right. this. Oh yeah. Con- confusion about,
0: sure.
1: Hey, this is a service. This is what you're paying for. When you raise your prices, this is how you do it. Like having best practices for yourself. But you have to look at why don't you value what you're bringing? Why? Because when I was going through this as a young therapist, my supervisor was like, let me ask you something. Were you good at what you do? I was like, yeah, I mean, I am. Or do you hold your clients in high esteem? Yes. Do you remember what they say? Yes. Are you on time? Yes. Do you keep your word? Yes. Like all the things where you're like, makes you a good therapist. And she was like, so why don't you think that that's valuable? like, I don't know. What if they can't afford it? She's like, why are you on their side of the street about their money? (laughs) Like get back. Like their side of the street is their side of the street. So I think that we have a collective limiting belief Mm -hmm. around wanting abundance that is makes us bad or wrong. And Deepak Chopra really impacted my life. In this, He's got a great book called Creating Affluence that I love. And it's like an ABC book. And it's not that well-known, but I have to say it's my fave. Carry it around in my pocket like you could just have it. Um, and he's like, there's literally nothing wrong with creating, wanting abundance, opulence, wanting luxury in your life. It doesn't mean you're not a good person. So I feel like for me, before I really became successful financially, courses and all of the things it really took me to be able to say one of my best friends is an energy healer. And she says, um, I want you to test this phrase on yourself. It's okay for me to have more money than my friends, my family and the poor. And, you know, you say that and it really lets you know yeah. how you feel about that. Mm-hmm. You know, cause you can also donate all the money that you make, right? You don't have to keep it all if you don't want to, but you don't yeah. want to block it, you know?
0: Yeah, one of our guests on our show was a therapist and she was saying that it was fascinating when she was starting out in her career before she became much more pricey and expensive. Mm-hmm. She was charging like a sliding scale. And she said people would miss appointments. Sometimes the it was a couple's therapy. Sometimes the wife would come, the husband wouldn't, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it was really gross. Like there was no commitment. And what was really fascinating to her is that most of the time, because unfortunately that's the statistical truth is that most people wind up getting divorced. It's, it's, it's a little bit more right on that side Mm -hmm. than the other. Yep. And she said, what was really amazing is that the people who said they couldn't afford to pay more than the sliding scale, the lowest rate, when they decided to get divorced after not showing up for the therapy that they didn't really value, they would (laughs) each come up with the $5,000 retainer for the Mm -hmm. divorce lawyer instantly. And when I heard that, like, that is such a compelling example. It's Mm -hmm. like people will have value for what there is a sunk cost, right? So Mm -hmm. look at that. If it's a divorce lawyer saying, sorry, that's my best practice. That's my price. $5,000 retainer, just to even start the conversation. People are like, here you go. A therapist says, oh, no, 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 it's okay. You can't afford it. I mean, it's your marriage. You're about to potentially throw away, but don't even worry about it. It's $6. What happens? They don't show up. What happens? They don't come. Now imagine if that therapy with John Gottman for the day was $8,000. You're going to make it to Orcas Island. You're going to sit there with him because you invested in it because you're not going to miss the appointment because the $8,000 was a gift because it showed you I value this, right? So this is what's so fascinating. You think you're helping someone. And again, whenever I think to myself or I used to, I really don't anymore at all. Oh, this price should be, this person can't afford it. It's like, right. But if you sign off on that, you're saying to them, I don't think you can ever make more money. I do Mm -hmm. think the world is scarce. If you want to find it, you will. It's what you value. I had a friend in LA whose whose husband got cancer and they needed a bone marrow Uh, match. And that is not something that seems like it's on every corner. That seems very scarce, right? A specific marrow that that would be the same. Well, they got resourceful and they reached out to the Kardashians and said, can you tweet about that? Like they were so out of the box. It was so cool. The way that they got resourceful to see, how can we get the word out? How can we get a match? Not only did they find the match, they found five other matches. So you're going to sit here and tell me in 2022, I don't have the money. I don't care. I don't have the time. I don't care. Find it. Figure it out. Because I'm co-signing that it's here. Mm-hmm. And the more you actually invest to go find it, you know, I put myself through college because my dad left when I was 15. All of a sudden, I valued school. You know, yeah. this girl who got <laughs> in on academic probation, and I barely got in to a state school. I had to get straight A's. All of a sudden I became editor of the college paper. That was mm-hmm. my talk. That's where it all started because I valued it. I interviewed Al Gore because I was at the Capitol of Florida State during the election. And there was like the hanging shads and the butterfly ballots, yeah. And <laughs> he was a student journalist. And there I was on the floor, the Capitol building floor, when Catherine Harris came out to say who won the election. And I happen to be this, the girl who was this, the college, the newspaper and all the press was there, Fox and CNBC and everybody. And he goes, I'm doing one interview and it can go on the AP wire. Where's the student journalist? Cause I guess he taught journalism at Columbia. I like raised my hand, you know, I'm like, like, let's go. He's like, your story is going on the wire. So I sit down with Al Gore and start, I'm crying. I'm like, I'm crying. <laughs> Cause it's so not normal. <laughs> okay What do I ask? How do you feel about this? Is it a good thing, bad thing? What's going on? But the point being, like all of that, all of that is the satisfaction in my bones, because nobody sent me, nobody said, "Here's the 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 cushy apartment with your friends on the you know that cute the, the one where everybody stays." No, 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 you find your own way, right? And I never would have got the job at the paper if I didn't need three jobs, you know, and I, it made me a better person, all of the things that I did. So it is fascinating, right? How we think we're being helpful and sweet and you're just robbing the other person. That's what integrity does. When you bring truth into a conversation, all of a sudden, another person gets to step forward. Another person gets to rise. But
1: if you're here and you're in their business, there's no rising, right? Right. Exactly. And you're colluding, you know, Kath, what you're talking about, you say cosine; it's the same thing. You're colluding with the lowest in the other person. When they go, I right. think I'm a loser. And you're like, me too. I agree. It's the same. It's the same yeah. thing when you save kids, quote unquote, like when, when you have grown adults who are like, oh, I'm getting evicted because I haven't paid my rent in six months and you're going to pay their rent. And I was in that situation. And I was like, you know what you're saying? You're literally saying, He's saying he thinks he's a loser and you're saying, I agree with that. Let It's his mess. Let him fix it. He will or he won't, but he's grown up like it's time to do it. And that, like you said, that integrity. I love this conversation, but now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How well would you take care of your car
0: if you had to keep the same one your entire life? That's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them that way? There are plenty of ways to support a new healthy mind like learning a new language or taking power naps or meditating, which I personally love to do. There's also better help online therapy. I've been in and out of therapy since I was about 15 and I think it can really be helpful to just talk to someone when you're stuck or you just want to take care of your mental health. We don't stop enough to make that space for our thoughts and our feelings, but it's so critical to how we function and considering how much stress there is. Just being a human, just being in the world, I think taking care of your mental health needs to be priority number one. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions so that you don't have to really see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. That's betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. When you know more, you can do more. What if you could use science to discover more about your body? Find out what you need for your healthier tomorrow with EverlyWell. EverlyWell is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you're going to be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test, or food sensitivity test. I took the women's health test, and it was really simple. They shipped the products to my house in one package. I took the lab test, collected the sample, and then mailed it back. They included a pre-paid shipping label, which made it really convenient. And after a few days, they sent me the results to my phone. And now I can pass that information to my physician and see if there's anything out of balance. Everly Well also has high-quality vitamins and supplements that can support your overall health, including vitamin D3 and omega-3 fish oil. It's so simple. Over one million people have trusted Everlywell to support their health and wellness goals and you should too. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of twenty percent off an at-home lab test at Everlywell.com slash dream job. That's Everlywell.com slash dream job for twenty percent off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash dream job. I want to ask you a question. So sure. Mark Groves, who I also just adore, um the two of you have a it's called crushing codependency. It's gonna be incredible course. Everything you guys do together and apart is just Beautiful. And Mark just texted me twice. Calf, I'm bumping this to the top of your inbox. I need to talk to you. So whatever he wants to say, I'll, I'm here to support it in any, in any way, anything you both do, but I bring it up because a, I wanted to plug the class, but B because Mark said something to me. And I want to ask you about it. He -hmm. said something I quote all the time, just like I quote you all the time. And he said, every single day, human beings have a choice between feeling authentic and belonging. So we get to choose belonging or authenticity. And he says, and nine times out of 10, we choose belonging. But he says, here's Mm -hmm. the problem. If you choose belonging, you want to belong to this other person. So you don't tell them about the person you're dating. You want to belong to this other person. So you just, you know, hide the thing you really want to celebrate because you don't want to piss them off because they're jealous. Mm -hmm. Whatever the belonging is, he says, then, Ooh, guess what happens? You don't even belong to yourself anymore. So now who do you belong to? Right? Nobody. There's no belonging. There's actually no intimacy. There's nothing. I bring it up because I want to ask you, before we even get to a place where we're charging, before we even get to the place where we raise our hands to be a leader, that's really what that's about. Mm -hmm. There is so much fear that people face in what will other people say about me? Who am I to start a podcast? Who am I to start hand lettering? Who am I? Like the, what will people say? And the feeling of like, look who thinks she's good at that? Like, I want to belong. I don't want to seem crazy. I don't want to seem like I think I'm good at something that I'm not. The 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 feeling of I care what this person thinks of me will determine whether or not I step forward into my absolute authentic truth, right? So how can you help us to set that one down? Because
1: clearly that screams of codependency. It does. Here's the thing. We have to become discerning. You know how Brene Brown talks about like who's in the arena? Mm-hmm. Like, so the motherfuckers who were sitting on their couch eating bonbons oh and God. being like, I think you could have done that, Betty. I think you haven't done shit, so shut up. Like, be, be caring about whose opinion, be discerning. Whose opinion do you value? Right. Your cousin who, who hasn't done crap in their life? Who gives a shit? We have to not. Care. We literally have to go. We have to know ourselves. Wow. Listen, you guys. In the end of life, it's so
0: freeing. You're like just not care. No, you get to choose not to care what that person thinks.
1: Yeah. Right. Cousin Betty, like we don't care. And and the thing is, when you care about what everyone thinks, even people who you don't respect, I want you to back the truck up, and be like, wait, you don't even like that person, but you still. Want them to like and approve of you and what you're doing. Why? That makes no sense. <laughs> it, it doesn't, but it's so incredibly common. So we have to stop, literally stop and go. What other people think of me is literally none of my business. Like it's not. And living that, see, Mark says you have to choose between, people feel like they have to choose between, you know, belonging and authenticity. Is that what it was? Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah here's the thing. When we become discerning, when we slowly but surely learn how to share our boundaries, which are our preferences, our limits and our deal breakers in our relationships, that's it. It's that simple and not that simple, but that's what it is. Sharing instead of being a people pleaser, having the disease to please, over-functioning, over-giving, saying yes when you really want to say No. When you start doing this slowly but surely, you will have people in your life who are not judging the crap out of you. So the people who are judging the crap out of you seriously can fuck off. And part, I don't, I am sorry. I don't have a better, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a better way of saying it because that's really what I want to say. We just don't want them. And if we've allowed people to give us their unasked for advice and criticism for a long time. When you learn to create boundaries, go get boundary, boss. I will teach you in that book. Take a course, take compression, codependency, whatever you want to do. Thank you. (laughs) Very nice. You will see that people are not judging because when that person says, hey, I don't think you should do that. That's stupid. Why are you changing careers? You're going to fail. Whatever. You would say, hey, 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 wait, back it up, Bob, back it up. I actually should have said upfront, I'm I'm not open for input. Yeah. I really would just love your support. Whatever I do, it's my life. There'll be my mistakes. It's my victories. It's it's all for me. What I need from you, though, what I would love, is just just compassion. Just root for me, Bob. That would really mean something to me if you would just root for me to win instead of projecting all your fearful, limiting bullshit on me because that's what's happening. They don't know, but you've got to know better and learn because these people, most of them, when I was bossing my sister around thinking I was doing such a great thing, I thought I was being loving and loyal and devoted. So probably the people in your life think that too, but we're constantly training people for how they can and should treat us. And even if you've accepted bullshit for a long time, you can stop accepting it now. One combo at a time.
0: It's so life giving, and you know, in over six hundred episodes, there's only like I don't know, maybe never. Like when a woman as gorgeous inside and out as you gives us the like total embodied permission to just go, no fucking way. Like you don't need <laughs> to be, in, you don't need to be holding that done right and it's really exhilarating because we are so overfunctioning as you've you've coined it and i think about the mary oliver poem which is wild geese which i've mentioned many times on my show because i remember the first time i heard it um i was doing some kind of somatic healing with this incredible woman and she goes before we begin i want to read you something she goes and i just feel called to read it to you and she picks up this dusty book and she goes this is one of my favorite books and she reads me this poem, Wild Geese. And the very first line is, you don't have to be good. You don't have to walk on your knees for a thousand miles in the desert. And the poem goes on, and it's it's absolutely gorgeous. And as soon as she starts to read that to me, the tears just silent this, this stream of tears. You don't have to be good. Said, Wait a minute. No, I have to be good, right? Mm -hmm. don't I have to be good? (laughs) Don't I always have to check and make sure the temperature in the room is okay before I even decide if I'm okay to sit down, right? Don't I have to be good all the time? Mm -hmm. And I remember beginning to start to feel like I wasn't breathing out of a straw anymore. Like, oh, what would it feel like to just say to someone, thank you so much for asking the answers? No wait, I don't have to lie and make up a reason why that's like so important that I can't possibly be there. I don't have to go anyway. I don't have to pay for the meal, even though I didn't even want to be at the party. Like what?
1: Right. I don't have to write a dissertation on my (laughs) no.
0: Right, 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 right. So let's talk about that because it really does feel like that is a novel concept when and people are. I think you know. I see the sweet women on the call laughing. And part when we laugh, it's usually because there's a truth, right? It like breaks through. And so mm-hmm. when you're saying like, what if you don't have to care what everybody thinks, right? Maybe you choose to care what your yeah. husband thinks, but maybe that guy over there, you get to go don't care at all, zero, uh, zero X, I... right? Zero,
1: <laughs> zero. I like so, to say, Bob from accounting. Like, why yeah, do we Bob give a shit what Bob from accounting thinks, you know? Not interested, right? Nope, so, don't care.
0: <laughs> so we're laughing because I think we are carrying way too much. And we don't often set it down. And we, we really don't get that we get to say, nope, not available for that. Right. What's one thing today that we could do? Whether it's a journal exercise, whether it's a, an active step, whether it's mm-hmm. just something to consider, what's one thing that we could do to get healthier?
1: One thing is stop the auto. Yes. That's one thing is just commit all of you for the next seven days. Nobody gets an instant answer to any request. I mean, unless it involves minor kids, right? Everything else can wait. So no. So you're going to learn to press pause. Mm, don't so don't you deserve time? To think and we can say that by saying I have a whole a million scripts in the book. You can just say, Oh, thank you for thinking of me. I'll need to get back to I need to check with my partner or my roommate or whatever. How about just saying, you know what? I need to think about that. I'll let you know by Thursday. Are you allowed to think about shit? We don't think we are, but you are. Are you allowed to not want to do a bunch of crap? You don't want to do a bunch of crap that you're saying yes to. Is it okay to just not want to you know what is a really good reason not to do you don't want to (laughs) that that, that's it alone that reason by itself and listen for the people we love if my best friend is doing stand-up and it starts at 10 and i really don't want to go am i going of course i'm going i'm not saying we we don't still do for the relationships in our vip section as i call it yeah As they would do for us, as long as you've got that mutuality going, I am saying there's nothing wrong with not wanting to do things or not liking things, right? If my friends ask me to go to like an outside concert, I don't want to, because I don't like it. That's it. And it's fine. Even if it's a performer I love, I don't, bugs and sun, no, I don't want it. (laughs) So I will, they know. And I'll say, oh no, that's so not my trip, but Hey, let's do lunch next Wednesday. Should my friend be upset that I'm not going to go see James Taylor at Tanglewood? Like, why did she birth James Taylor? It's not offensive. My preference (laughs) matters. And it's also not like it has nothing to do with my friend. And if my friend says, hey, I need you to be be my wing girl, gal, I'm meeting someone there. Can you come? I will come outside concert at all if you need me for a different reason, you know? But if you're saying, Hey, it'll be fun. You'll love it. I don't love it. I do not want to do it. I'm not going to. It's unbelievable. (laughs) So let me just finish the exercise that they're going to take. But seven days, you're not saying NCS. Why? Because when we don't instantly agree to crap, we don't want to do or that we maybe don't want to do. We haven't even thought about it. It is so much easier to come back and say, you know what? No. (laughs) No. Rather than oh getting a migraine last minute, gee, I can't make it on the day of that shower I never should have said yes to, because i really and do not want to go. Yeah. I'm exhausted. We make excuses. We say something came up, a family emergency. We are not being in our integrity when we agree to crap and then we don't do it. Like that that's not cool either. So just becoming more truthful and being able to say, you know, I value our friendship. I would normally be able to help you on this right now. My bandwidth is too tight because I've got something due next Wednesday. So I really can't help you this time, but I love you and I'm sending you the best energy to get it done in time. Is this that bad? No, that's loving. That's life. That's real and it's truthful. And you have to value your bandwidth, your health, your need to rest, your need to not do a million things you don't want to do, because that does make you bitter. It's like a one-way ticket to bitterland. There's no no other stops on that train. Right? That's the only place it goes. You know,
0: it's so powerful. It's been just too much, right? Too much of your energy and your beautiful, precious life is. It, it's not being like you use the word clean. There, there's something that's just not clean in these agreements, and it was suffering for it.
1: It needs to yes. stop. And at the end of life, you're not going to wish that you twisted yourself up in a present for Bob from counting more. You're not, or these people who are like low priority people in your life that somehow you care about their approval of you. You know?
0: Yeah, I I think that for so many of us, just growing up certain ways, we believe that you know love is earned, and we have to we have to do certain things, Mm. or that. It's our job. It's our fault. And we feel guilty before we even begin. Like, I have to be extra nice. I have to be the nicest. I have to be this. Like, you know, and you really dig deep and it's like, how is this serving you or the other person? Cause you said truthful. Well, that's not being truthful. And then what happens is you'll make space to be a match actually for the people that really you're probably supposed to be around who maybe are just available for something that's healthier, available to not put their stuff on you.
1: Right. Healthier psychologically. You know,
0: I want to just ask you about your podcast because the Terry Cole show, there's been so many cool people on it and you do listener Q and A's plus interviews and discussions and all of those, all of them have gems. What made you want to start the podcast? You're already writing books. You're already teaching courses. What, what made you want to start it and why do you love it?
1: You know, I started the podcast before. I was writing books and teaching courses. So I started the podcast in 2015 Got it. because I love people because I'm mesmerized by the resiliency of the human spirit. I love people's stories. And really I started only my podcast for the first year, maybe more was just me interviewing other people. Cause at that point I was like, well, I don't have enough to say that. Yeah. Who, who knew? But I really <laughs> was like, no, it'll, I'll just focus on the other people. And then we just kept, people kept going in being like, do solo episodes. We want to learn something about our mental health. Can you please help us? And that started that process. And now I do two a week, one an interview and one a solo.
0: So good. You guys we will put the links. So everybody can find it. Um, and I'll start asking you some questions. So Jess's question is how do we not get
1: mad or angry when someone gives us excuses or lies? I mean, it's okay to get mad or angry if someone gives you excuses or lies. Why are we in relationship with people who are lying? You know, so I I think that that's a boundary thing with the lying, with the excuses thing, especially listen, if you guys are doing a new boundary dance, right? We're all changing. We're evolving, but you've been doing your relationship dances for a long time. Many of you, it's going to take a minute for your boundary Mm -hmm. dance partner to catch up with the new dance and they don't want you to change and they want you to do the old dance. So expect that there'll be some friction. There's going to be some pushback of you changing. But I think that establishing a boundary that somebody like boldface lying, right? I mean, when, when we're saying yes, and we want to say, no, we're driven by unconscious stuff that's going on. We're now making that conscious we're making changes, but somebody who's you said like lying to you, that's the deal breaker. Like you have to be like, that's a non-negotiable boundary, no line (laughs) in this relationship. And we have to both agree to that. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Another question, which is a beautiful question because I've definitely lived it and still live it to a certain degree. Gabby said, what advice do you have for a mom who serves the littles over her needs? I know motherhood is a season, but it's a real struggle.
1: Oh, you know, I think that it's real. So first of all, the struggle is real and you're right. It's a temporary time frame, but I also find that a lot of my mom clients are not that great at asking for help, yeah. getting support, partnering with other people who are primarily raising children. And I, I have a friend who does this where they swap like Friday nights. She takes her friend's kids Saturday night, her friend takes her kids, you know, so that you have at least a minute to breathe or take a bath or drink some wine or whatever it is that you want to do. One last thing I want to say about that is that when you have better self-care and I'm not saying you'll have the freedom to have as good of self-care that you will when those kids are older but when you have better self-care you will resent those little people less.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's normal to resent them because they're just a freaking ball of need that never ends and that is the truth about kids. And hey, we we signed up for it. Fine. But it doesn't mean sometimes you're not going to be like, oh my God, get it yourself. Like you want, you know, even when the kid is three, I'm like, what is the problem? <laughs> yeah. Tell me, stop crying. You know, yeah, that's not helpful. Um, Anyway, I hope that was a little help.
0: No, so good. I find, I mean, I have three and my youngest of three is she's five now, but like, it's like, she has a sonar to know when I like take a shower or need to go to the bathroom <laughs> and then she's there. And I'm like, I can't even have, Five minutes, please. I'm begging you. That's I can't even poop alone. <laughs> no, no. Is, is, there she is. She's like, mommy, I'll just stay here. I'm like, please don't. I want to take a shower. Um, she's often there while I'm taking a shower. So um, Sam said, codependency about parents. I have a rocky relationship with my father since forever. I am really feeling like I need to move away completely, but I'm still hanging on. I often get disrespected, disregarded, manipulated. I'm not into it anymore. And I think I'm done. <laughs> but the fact that this is my parent makes it so complicated.
1: Okay. So I will say that I deal with this. I get this question all the time and dealing with abusive and narcissistic and all kinds of other types of parents. When you are grown, you're a grown person that you have to have boundaries. And this is really where boundaries come in. Nobody has a right to disrespect you. And that's a fact. And that has to be your boundary, not your father. Not your grandfather, nobody, literally nobody. And allowing it is you disrespecting you. Right? It, it's colluding with the lowest part of your father by partaking in it. So warn, hey, just so you know, dad, when I'm talking to you, if there's any disrespect, if I feel this way, I'm literally leaving. I'm done. Or I'm not, or or it's really a step back. If you feel like that wouldn't work, let's say, but we have there has to be some kind of consequence. Why? Does he still get access to your most tender heart? Maybe he can have access to the outside of you, this, maybe that, not here, no way, because he's proved he's emotionally untrustworthy. So you have to decide what that looks like, but there is nothing shameful or guilty about stepping back from an abusive parent because that isn't love, right? That's dysfunction. And you can love, of course you love your parent, even if they're dysfunctional, but that doesn't mean love does not mean you allow anybody to be abusive to you. According to me.
0: Thank you for that. So Kim and Kelly have similar questions, but slightly different, but I'll ask them together because Kim is asking what strategies do you have for not taking on your kids problems? Like if they fight with their friends or they're feeling upset as a parent, as a parent, we want to fix things. And Kelly's is about being overly anxious about adult children. So what do you, what do you think about that?
1: Okay. So with younger kids, minor children, our job is to teach them, right? Critical thinking skills. Like your, your job is to say, well, babe, what do you think you should do? Why do you think that happened? Right. You can say, how do you feel? I'm so sorry. That sounds like it was really awful. sounds painful. What do you think is, is the right move? Now, you only do that at an age when it is cognitively appropriate, right? We're not saying that to a four year old, obviously, because they have no idea. But we're the older kids, when they, when they do have the capability, the thing you don't want to do with kids is be upset for them. You have to be the container. They're upset and you can't be like, oh my God, that's terrible. I'm going to the principal. That's just awful. Or now the kid feels terrible. They're like, oh my God, my mother's ashamed of me and I'm making my mother cry. Like you got to always be the adult, which is to say, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Tell me more. Let the kid talk, help them problem solve. That's my thought about the younger one with the older one. It was like, you know, you're anxious about their life choices, their lives, safety,
0: safety, wanting them to be smart and safe,
1: responsible. Okay. Here's the thing. Your job is done. So they're adults. You did it. So your job is to move into the next phase of parenting, which is relating to adult children, which is not centering yourself Mm. in their life. So hard. We are like, you know, the, the, Gibral what's his name the the poem about children where we're the bows yeah the prophet and they're the arrows so fly little arrow make your own family and deal with the consequences of your actions and listen I got three grown kids married seven grandkids it's I'm not saying like just do it it's easy I'm saying I want to give all the advice and fix all the things and send all the checks. I want to do all of that, but I don't because I respect my grown children's right and their capability to manage their shit well or badly, because do I know what less life lessons they need to learn after I learned that about my sister? I do not. And neither do you. But I say, focus your attention on your own life. You are, if you're here, you're clearly focusing on some of your own life, which is great. It's not easy, but it's doable. So beautiful.
0: Terry, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can
1: follow you and all of those good things. Yes. First of all, if you're thinking codependency is a problem, you can go to cherrycole.com forward slash cc. And that is for crushing codependency, just to get the info. That's the, the cart is, it's already open. Um, you can find me. I mostly hang out on Instagram. So I'm just at Terry Cole, which is T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. That's the name of my website as well. My podcast is the Terry Cole show, just so that you could find me easily. And that's it. I also have a group for women on uh, Facebook, it has about 30,000 women in it where we're just hang out and talk. So that's called Real Love Revolution with Terry Cole. If you want to join it for free, you sure can. I think that's all the things.
0: That's all the things. Terry, you are just the best. You were meant to have your own show. Um, So <laughs> you have one, but everything you do is both real, enlightening, and entertaining. And you're gorgeous. Thank Aww. you so much for coming. I adore you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I'm kissing you. And thank you ladies for having me. I super duper appreciate all of you. And I hope I see some of you in Crescent, code of Oh, so good. Done.
0: Okay. Bye. Bye. See ya. I just always love talking to Terry because it's such a huge permission slip to be yourself and follow your own heart. Here are the takeaways. Number one, stay on your side of the street. Number two, when you bring truth into a conversation, all of a sudden another person gets to step forward and rise. That's what integrity does. Number three, be discerning about whose opinion you value. You can choose not to care. Number four, what other people think of you is literally none of your business. Number five, stop the auto yes. Commit for the next seven days that no one gets an instant answer to any request. Press pause. You deserve time. Number six, a good reason not to do stuff is simply because you don't want to. And number seven, value your bandwidth, your health, and your need to rest. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I know that you have a gajillion things going on, so I'm really honored that you spend your time here. We have so many good episodes coming up, so please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify because wherever you're listening, if you subscribe, you won't miss any good stuff coming. And if this episode inspired and resonated with you, then leave us a review and share the show. You can send the link to somebody, you can email it to them, or you can post about it in your Instagram stories, maybe, and tag me at kathy.heller. And you can tag Terry. She's at T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. I'm sure she would love to see if you enjoyed the conversation. And finally, I will be sharing more about these retreats I'm doing. If you want to join me for this intimate Luxe Retreat, I think it's going to sell out probably by the end of the next couple weeks since so many people at the retreat will probably want to do the next one. But you can go grab your spot now at kathyheller.com slash lux. I love you. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday.
2: I could use a fresh coat of paint Change my scenery Wake up in the morning And choose to be brave